Okay. So last class, remember we are on chapter 26 and we had to do something that we've never done before. We are splitting chapter 26 into two because it has so much information and it's actually very, very, very uh, practical. It's actually interesting because you can even start with chapter 26 without even learning one through 25 and still it still holds so much value because of what 26 talks about all about emotional challenges and spiritual challenges and how we deal with them so last week we focused on our physical challenges right so um that was anything that falls into the category of children um money and health right? You can pretty much fit all your challenges into those three categories. And we talked about um, how do we handle those kinds of physical challenges. And it was all about the reframe, right? We're reframing and understanding what these challenges actually are, right? And we learned about the concept of hidden good and revealed good. And when we get something that seems negative it is and it seems like a huge and it is a huge challenge it is actually um a, a good that's coming from such a high level that we just we don't see it as good because we're like the kid that wants the bike instead of the fifty thousand dollars right so even though the fifty thousand dollars is better we're not on the level to see it that way so that's how if we can reframe our challenges and know that this is an opportunity for connection. And this is um, something that is such an amazing, great gift from God, not to say we're not going to feel pain, not to say that it's not going to be hard. All those things are still true. But when we reframe it on our mind and, and we can understand that this is coming from a place of goodness and love that God has for us and not about hate, then it reframes the whole picture. Right. And we said, um, what did we say? Um, okay. I'll remember there was something that I, a point that I wanted to make, but we'll remember, but basically let's quickly just review where we're up to here. One through chapters, one through eight is our knowledge base, right? It's our like dictionary on like understanding the world and ourselves, right? Nine through 17 was really taught. If you want to like put it into one sentence, it was talking about the two definitions of Moach Shalat Al-Halev, which is like self-control, right? So one definition is self-control, controlling your behaviors. And the other definition is meditation, right? Changing your behavior slowly so that they match our insides, right? Those were the two definitions of Moach Shalat Al-Halev. Those are the tools that we have to... Um, become and aspire to be a Benoni, okay? 18 through 25 was the short way, right? Meditation, we said, is a very long way. It takes a lot of time. 18 through 25 is the short way. The short way is accessing our hidden um, love, right? That Ava Masuteras, that latent love. It's a short way because we can access it instantly. And we're using this short way but not forgetting about the long way, right? It's not one or the other. We're using the short way while we're also still working on the long way. Okay, does that all make sense to you? Now, remember we said last class is that really the Tanya could finish after chapter 25 because we have all the tools. We have a path, we have a direction. It's a perfect plan. Why do we have chapter 26? 
what's, what, what's the problem? We're not perfect people. We don't have perfect lives, right? So we have challenges that come and disrupt us to um, access and to apply this perfect plan. So chapter 26 comes in, it's like a, um, it's like a, what's it called? What am I looking for? Um, a pro, uh, oh my gosh, like a problem solver, like whatever. It's a, a, oh my gosh, I'm missing my words. Okay, whatever, it'll come to me. So basically chapters 26 to 34 is all about our emotional well-being, our emotional health. Why is our emotional health so important? Because remember we said we can't be um, happy and healthfully connected to God if we're not emotionally healthy, right? And why do you remember we talked about all about serving God with joy? Why do we want to serve God with joy? Is it for the joy itself? No, we're not making joy an idol. Joy is not the end goal. We're serving God with joy because everything is done better with joy. Pick anything in your life. If you do it with joy, it's better. So of course we want to serve God in the best possible way. We don't want to just serve God like um, to get it over with and to be like, okay, we got our job done. We want to serve God with all our heart and all our soul. And that includes joy. So it's so important that when we hit these challenges, we have um, these solutions to help us move through them so we can get back to always serving God with joy. Okay. So, um, now, oh, oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. We remember last class, we said, we have to ask ourselves a question. What's the question that we need to ask ourselves. It's not a fun question because it, it requires us to be really like honest with ourselves. Our question is, do we want a comfortable life or do we want a life of connection with God? Not always do those two come together. Actually, oftentimes they don't. Sometimes we can be comfortable and be serving God, right? But then eventually we have to push ourselves. So either we want a comfortable life. And what did we say? If we choose that we want a comfortable life, then none of this stuff really can help us because it's not about that, right? It's not about getting closer to God. It's about comfort and comfort. Go find it somewhere else, you know? Um, but if you are choosing to have a life that keeps on aspiring to that God connection, then all these tools that we're learning are going to be very helpful. Okay. So last week we covered the physical, more worldly problems. Now that this half of chapter 26, we're going to um, address spiritual problems, right? What happens when we get stuck in this, this hole, this rut of feeling bad about what of behaviors we've had in the past. Okay. And it gets us down because we feel bad about ourselves, right? What's the one word that, um, describes that guilt. Guilt. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual problems, feeling bad about, about our behaviors is guilt about past behaviors. Okay. No, you can't change, you can't change it really. It's done already, right? So when we dwell and we get sucked into this negativity because of past behaviors, that's guilt. Now, the Tanya says that categorically guilt is never useful. Nothing ever good comes from guilt. Okay. 
So you did something wrong in the eyes of God, right? You feel bad about it, right? Guilt is a toxic emotion, okay? Um, and we need to get rid of it across the board. Guilt is something that we never want to go to. Now, unfortunately, it's something that we tend to be drawn to all the time, right? I happen to feel like, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, but sometimes guilt kind of gets us off the hook, right? We use guilt because sometimes it's easier to feel badly about ourselves and feel guilty and say we're no good than to actually affect change right? Because we get stuck in that guilt cycle, which is, which the Tanya is going to describe to us exactly how the guilt cycle works. Okay. And it's amazing. So, um, how, what, what happens? It starts, um, with the Yetzir Hara, evil inclination. Good question. Is the guilt, is the, is guilt part of Teshuva? No. Because you don't need guilt to have teshuva, and we're going to get to it. Okay, so if you still have the question at the end, let me know. Um, okay, so the Yetzir Hara is smart and he's sneaky. Okay, so you think about this evil inclination, this big bad wolf who is is always in your head telling you to do bad things, right? But the Yetzir Hara doesn't always come in that form. The Yetzir Hara is very sneaky, and sometimes he comes in the form of pushing you telling you that you're not doing enough, that you should feel bad about yourself, that you're not doing enough. or telling yourself that you shouldn't do anything because you're, you're, you're a good for nothing or you're, or you're, or you do too much. It's too much, you know? So the, the Yetzirah, every person's Yetzirah is tailor-made to them. Okay. And so they find your biggest weakness and then they pry and they harp on it and they push your buttons. So it's our job to know when to like have the Yetzirah warning bells alarm come on. And that's what, what the Tanya comes to tell us. How do you know when these negative feelings are the Yetzirah? So here we go. If you have a thought of guilt about a sin that you have done at a random time, you're grocery shopping, you're cooking dinner, you're putting kids to bed. And then all of a sudden you have this awareness or this bad feeling inside of you about something that you've done in the past. That is the dead giveaway that this is your Yetzirah. Because why is it coming at this random time? It's not productive. You can't do anything about it. You can't change it. So why are you all of the sudden having this random thought that pulls you down. The reason why it's happening is because it's the Yetzahara and he's trying to trap you into the guilt cycle. So this is the start of the guilt cycle. So how does the guilt cycle work? It goes like this. The Yetzahara comes to you to, to feel guilt about your sin right? You did something random at a random time. And guess what? It's actually a sin. So the Yitzhah is smart. He's not telling you something that's like not really a sin and you can debunk it. You actually did something. You disconnected from Hashem. You made a wrong choice. It's real. It's, 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 it's concrete. That's why the guilt cycle works because you can actually say to yourself, well, I actually did this thing and it's not okay. But what the Yetzirah comes and does is he puts it into your head at a random time, right? So you, you now feel bad about this thing that you did. 
and it's a valid thing. You did this thing, right? So what happens? You have this unpleasant feeling and you have emotional pain. Okay. What comes after that? All of a sudden you have low self-worth, right? You have a low sense of self-worth. You feel bad that you did this thing. How could I have done this thing? So you're like, who, like, I'm a good for nothing. How did I make this choice? How did I just, how did I choose to do this? I, I don't, I, I have, I'm, I don't feel good about myself, right? Then what happens as humans, when we feel bad about ourselves, we look for relief, right? So we're looking to, uh, for a way to make ourselves feel better. What's the easiest way to find relief, but we know it's going to be temporary relief, is um, a distraction, right? A distraction, an indulgence, a pleasure, right? So what happens is we feel bad about yourself. We look for relief. We go and do something that we think is going to make us feel better, but it's a temporary fix because it's, again, it's an indulgence. And usually when we feel bad about ourselves, what is our decision-making um, process? Is it going to be good decision-making skills? You're going to make the worst possible choice when you're feeling bad about yourself, right? So there you go doing another thing that's usually going to be way worse than your original sin to make yourself feel better. And now um, you have something to really feel bad about, right? Because now you just did another thing. And, um, and the cycle, so you, you have something to feel bad about, probably worse than the one that you did originally. And now this, the cycle keeps perpetuating. How do you think until something comes and stops it, right? How do you think people get into such downward spirals? It is literally this cycle that plays out, that keeps on cycling and spinning until something snaps us out of it. We're lucky right now that we're learning, Tanya, and we're getting an inside scoop on this cycle. So we know to stop it right at the beginning. What's the beginning of this cycle? The beginning of the cycle is when the Yetzirah comes into your head and says, ooh, you remember that thing that you did last week? You should feel really bad about that right now while you're grocery shopping or while you're cooking or while you're doing carpool or while you're at work, right? That's the start of the guilt cycle. So if we can nip that in the bud, then we stop the guilt cycle from happening and we save ourselves so much more pain and suffering. And so much more things to feel guilty about. Because no question, when we feel bad about ourselves, we make choices that is going to set us deeper in the hole. I can tell you, I see, it's so funny, I see it in myself, but it's always much easier to see it in someone else, right? So I see it in my kids when they make a bad choice and then they're embarrassed and feel bad about the choice they made, they dig themselves deeper in the hole. They don't climb out of it and make a better choice. They're like, well, I'm already here. I'm already bad. I'm already doing something that my mother's going to be so mad at me, about me about. I might as well get my money's worth, right? Like I might as well just do it more and do it worse and make worse choices. I mean, it's just um, human. It's human, right? We do that. We're not saying that the guilt cycle shouldn't exist or it shouldn't. We're saying that we need to know how to nip it in the bud. We need to know and we need to call out the Yitzhahara right when he tries to get us in it. Now, some people can say or think, I'm a very spiritual person. 
I'm always thinking about the bad things I've done so I can do better, right? The thing is, is that spiritual people are not thinking about their wrongdoings at random times, okay? That is not what a spiritual person is. We are now going to learn how and when we need to think about these things and how change comes about. Positive change never comes from guilt, okay? Positive change, you'll see how we get there, but only negative things come from guilt. Um, okay, let's see, a question. Okay, so are, is your question that is low self-worth only connected to guilt or can you have low self-worth from other things? Is that the question? Um, in regards to like the guilt cycle that you're yeah. talking about and yeah. like the spiritual issues that we're talking about, like yeah. whether it's only connected to the sins, like it has to be related to a sin causing low self something embarrassing yourself or it could be something else that causes low self-worth like is that possible okay so if i understand your question yeah well we can have low self-worth from other things right um i think but if you're talking about in this particular guilt cycle the thing is is that it does it only come from sin the problem is is that if you're feeling like it's very easy for it to be under the umbrella of sin because unless you're connecting to god in that moment, you're under the category of disconnecting. Okay. So if you're feeling embarrassed about something, it's probably not coming from connection to God. Right. So I think if you think about it, that that will always trace back to disconnection. Right. So I was going to say this example at the end, but I think it fits in here, like yelling at your kid. Right. Um, It's a sin because it's not a behavior that's a connection to God. And, and, and we are all God's children, right? At equally. So our children are equally God's children as us. So what's happening when we're, sit, we're yelling at our kid, we are yelling at, a, at, at, and we're being inappropriate uh, to a child of God, right? So why is it so easy for the Yetzirah to set us in this trap? Because the Yetzirah is going to come and say, oh my God, remember last week when you yelled at your kids, your horrible mother. You're a horrible person, right? Now you think yelling at your kids, is it technically a sin? Like, would you put that under the sin category? If you understand sin as disconnection, then yes, right? And we're going to learn later on that anything that's, we're going to reiterate later on that anything that's a disconnection falls under this category. So it's very broad, unfortunately. The Yetzirah has a lot to choose from. Unless we are literally in the moment having a connection to God, then the Yetzirah has fodder, right? He has, what to, he has what to get us with. And if you're a mom, I can guarantee that probably 85% of the things we feel bad about is how we're parenting, right? And so easy. You're a bad parent. You should be doing better. You should be doing more, right? And what happens when the Yetzirah tells us we should be doing more? You should get less sleep. You should take care less of yourself because you're doing more. And what, what happens from that? We feel guilty. We have low self-worth. We end up making more poor decisions. When we feel guilty about our our parenting, do we parent better or worse? No good parenting is coming out of guilt. Okay. Because then when we're in that guilt cycle, we don't have the tools to make better choices because we're stuck. So no good things ever come out of just feeling bad about ourselves. Now, 
do we want to affect change? Is it okay to want your behaviors to change? Absolutely. We're changing, evolving people, but there's a way to do it. And this is what we're going to learn in this chapter is, okay, so how do we do this? If we actually want to be better and we want to change our behavior and we want, and we do um, have something that we feel bad about in our past, that's legit, right? How do we go about that? Okay. Any questions so far till we go, before we go to the solution? Okay. Yes. A yes, small yes. one. Okay. The, the Yetzirah, just to confirm to me, is the evil inclination. Is Does that mean it's your animal soul, basically? Yeah. So okay. we actually did have, we did get into this a little bit um, in the beginning, but so are we some, we use our animal soul and our Yetzirah interchangeably. Our animal, I, I like to say that your Yetzirah is your animal soul, like in action. Like it's, it's the voices of your animal soul. Um, like being used negatively, but our animal soul, remember, isn't inherently negative. Our animal soul can be neutral. We can elevate our animal soul or we can use it for negativity. So the Yetzirah is when the animal soul is being used in a negative way. Okay. okay? Um, but yes, it is confusing because they do overlap, but they're not exactly the same. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So now, um, Another good point, and I really related to this because I have, um, I don't know if you have teenagers or adolescents that are heading in that teenage direction, it really makes a lot of sense. So what happens is, is that um, the I feel bad and I don't think very highly of myself is like a fatal combination of feelings, right? I feel bad about something that I did and now I have low self-worth. It's a fatal combination. Okay. So, um, it's re so it's really like adolescence, young uh, adolescents and teenagers, basically that's how they live, right? Because they're young, they're trying to figure themselves out. They have poor decision-making skills, right? They're not fully, their brain's not fully developed. So they keep on making choices that make them feel bad about themselves. And so they, they, a lot of times you see teens in this perpetual downward negative spiral. Why is that? It's because they're in this perpetual guilt cycle until they figure themselves out. So um, teenagers, like why are they, do you ever wonder why teenagers are so angsty and moody and like negative? I actually almost find it more like 12 year olds. Like they're just all of a sudden, they're just like, negative and grumpy and moody, right? So it's because um, they're transitioning into adulthood, right? So they're, and they're trying to figure out who they are and they don't know yet. So they're, they, they are figuring it out and usually it leaves them feeling very uncomfortable. So a job of us as parents is to constantly remind our children of who they are, right? That they're not that they're essentially good. They're not good because we love them. They're not good because of the behavior choices that they make. They're good because they're children of God, right? And if we can constantly remind them that their essence is good and they will flail around and they'll make bad choices and they'll lose their way and they won't necessarily feel good. But as parents, we can constantly remind them that it, inherently they're good because they're children of God. 
it's not conditional. They're not, their, their goodness is not conditional about whether we love them, whether we don't love them, whether they behave, whether we don't, they don't behave. It's essential to who they are. And if they can keep getting that message, sometimes, you know, that, that will just hopefully set a foundation that allows them to discover who they are and not completely fall off the deep end. Right. It's a little bit of an anchor. Not, I'm not at all saying this is going to change behaviors or it's going to make life easier for them, but I do think it will give them an anchor. So when they are ready to come into adulthood or they are ready to like mature, they know that they're essentially good. If we send them the message that they're only good, if their behavior is good, then when they do bad, they will get stuck in that guilt cycle because then their self-worth is, is zero. And when you have zero self-worth, there's no motivation to make good choices, right? So it's actually really interesting because I like to always include some therapeutic stuff into Tanya is that I was, you know, had a challenging situation with one of my children and I was working with um, their therapist and the therapist told me, he's like, better than punishing the situation, right? Like obviously they need to have a natural consequence. So whatever they did, whatever natural consequence, consequence comes from, then that is there. But they also know that they need something to work towards. They need to know that they can, they can do better and it's worth it. So let's say for, for example, you, you, a child does something and it could be significantly wrong and you just take away everything, right? You're grounded, no phone, no computer. You're in your room for the next year, right? I'm obviously exaggerating. Then what's their incentive to do good? right? What's their incentive to be better if they have nothing to look to or look forward to or work towards, right? So that's the same thing in us. If we're just going to let the Yitzhahara keep bombarding us with, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Remember that thing you did? Remember that thing you did? Remember that thing they did? Then of course, we're not going to be motivated to make better choices for what, right? So this guilt cycle is dangerous, it's a dangerous, dangerous cycle that we want to avoid at all costs, okay? So, um, so if it helps, you can think about guilt as your teenage moment, right? So when this, this like thing pops in your head randomly, you're like, ooh, teenage moment, I can do, I'm an adult, right? I can cognitively do different. I can do better, right? So um, you have to, um, let me just make sure I didn't forget anything. Yeah, um, there's a little bit of repetition in the Tanya because the Tanya wants you to understand this so importantly, how when we feel bad about ourselves, we automatically look for distraction and stimulation. And simulation is usually in the form of some kind of physical pleasure that's usually not going to be a connection to God. Okay. So it's just, it's so important to recognize these signs, right? Um, and, and you tell, I like, oh, look, I messed up. The thing is, it's so scary because we have the proof of our mess up. It's not something that's not true, right? We have the proof. We've messed up. There's the proof, right? And because in reality, you really did mess up. But the Eitzahara convinces you to feel bad about it. And, and in your pain, he's going to exploit you to make further negative choices. Okay? Um, so it's like this perfect storm brewing. 
And only because the Yetzirah is really smart, right? And he's always going to figure out a way to get you unless you're one step ahead. And being one step ahead means you know the signs, you know what to look for, okay? So um, this is what we look for, okay? What we are looking for is if a random thought is popping into your head, you don't have to explore it. You don't have to think like, oh, well, maybe he's right this time. Maybe it really, as soon as a random thought pops into your head, you know, it's inappropriate. It's not going to be productive. It's not going to take you anywhere positive. This is the start of the guilt cycle. Okay. Um, Because anytime, anytime we get in our head, it's usually not good unless you're meditating on the greatness of God. If you're in your head doing your meditations about God, then you're okay. But any other meditation is, is not going to take you on a, on a good path. So, right. So in this chapter, we're talking about a guilt meditation. Meditation is synonymous right now with good, but you can totally meditate on negative things right? Meditating, meditating means you're just, your, your thoughts are totally immersed on one subject. It could be good or bad, right? So obviously we always try, we always want to meditate on good things, but you can have a guilt meditation. What's a guilt meditation? It means you're totally focused and completely absorbed in this thought of guilt. Last chapter, it was, I mean, last class, which was the beginning of this chapter, it was more like a resentment meditation, right? You were resentful because your problems were coming from other people or other things and you were resentful about them, right? Any problems from money, your children or health, that's what was derailing your life. It was coming from outside of yourself. So you were resentful. So how did we fix that resentful loop in our head? We we reframed, right? We reframed our challenges as they're actually good. Here, our guilt meditation is coming from Oh, it's our own fault that we're bad, right? We have bad behaviors. It's my own fault that I'm off the deep end because I'm a bad person. I do bad things, right? That's the guilt meditation that we we never is never appropriate. It's never appropriate. Um, so now we know what we shouldn't do. What is the proper way to deal with negative thoughts, right? How do we deal with it? right? Because it's going to happen, right? We're going to be driving down this highway and all of a sudden we're going to get this like flash of memory or like this feeling of, do you ever just, oh my gosh, this just happened to me the other day. Do you ever have this like down or anxious feeling out of nowhere and you can't understand why, why, why that is? It just happened to me the other, a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling anxious and I, I couldn't pinpoint why. Is that your subconscious mind that does that? Yes. And your subconscious, your Yetzirah is part of your subconscious mind. It's part of it, right? So like if I had um, reviewed chapter 26 and I would have realized that this was coming from the Yitzhahara, but I didn't remember at that point. And so I was anxious and I was like, why am I feeling anxious? I don't feel anxious. I'm just feeling off. So of course I'm in a bad mood. So of course I'm not the most pleasant to my children. So I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the downward spiral. But if I would have realized like, oh my gosh, why am I feeling anxious right now out of the blue? Like you don't have a reason to put to it. Like I'm feeling anxious because, you know, it's the first day of school, right? So then you can logically talk yourself through it. 
right? And that's not necessarily the Yitzhahara. You just have to talk yourself through it and use your tools. But if you're anxious and you can't pinpoint why you're anxious, and that means you can't work it through because there's nothing to work through. You're just anxious for no reason. Then you know, oh, Yitzhahara, here he is, right? Like he's, he's here to trap me. And then this is what you, this is what you do. So the altar ever says, the second the, you have a negative thought, that's random, right? And it's something that's from the past. You haven't done it. You, it's, you did it already. It's in the past. You automatically know it's the Yitzhahara. So full stop, you know. Okay, so now that you know that it's Yitzhahara, so what do you do? This is what you have to have a conversation with your subconscious, right? We talk about this is like doing self-therapy. We talk about all, this all the time. We have to talk ourselves through a lot of situations. So here's another one. The Yitzhahara comes and he says, oh, remember that thing you did last week? That was bad, right? Like you should feel really bad about that. You're like, you're really not a really good person. Like if you were a good person, you never would have been able to do that, right? So here we are, here's the thought. So this is what we do. Oh, huh. Thank you for that thought, right? Maybe it's true. I have a set time to think about my past. I have a set time to think about my past, okay? So um, I will put that away. And when it's time for me to take stock of my actions, I'll pull it back out and I'll, and I'll think about it and I'll make some changes, right? So it's basically saying, thank you for the thought. Now is not an appropriate time. Okay. What happens first? Okay. So two, many things happen. First of all, what is the right time to have these thoughts? So the Tanya tells us it's appropriate to either every night before bed, when you say the Shema to take stock of your day, if it's too much to do it every night, it's also appropriate to do it once a week, preferably on Thursday, because that's the end of the week. And we don't take stock Friday night, which would be Shabbos. That's not an appropriate time. So either once a week on Thursday or, or every night when you say Shema, that is the time where you reflect on your day or on your week. And that is the time you take inventory and be like, huh, okay, this was really great. This I could do differently. And that's the productive and appropriate time to look at what you've done that day and decide like, what could I do better tomorrow? Right. That's productive. That's not guilt fueled. That's productive change fueled. Right. So, and you know what happens? 99% of the time. Okay. Now it could happen, but 99% of the time, when it's time to take stock, when it's the appropriate time to take stock, that the Yetzirah is nowhere to be found. That thing that you were thinking about doesn't even come up. You know why? Because it's not in the Yetzirah's goal to be productive and to actually be a conduit for change. He just wants to get you into the guilt cycle. So that thing that he's telling you isn't usually even going to be an issue when it's actually stock taking time. Because if he was bringing up something that you could really change and do differently, he wouldn't be bringing it up because then he, then there would be no point to it. 
He's only bringing something up to you that's a distraction that he knows you can't really do anything about. And he knows that there's no good, good to come from it except get you stuck in the guilt cycle. Okay. So how do you know? So sometimes you can be like, huh, I really did that thing. Right. I really did that thing. How do I know if it's the Yetzirah or if it's something I really need to change? Guess what? There's a way to know when it's time to take stock and you say Shema, does it come up again? Then you know that you need to make some changes. If it's like, huh, that really wasn't a thing. I've already repaired that. I've already taken care of that. I'm, I've moved on from that. Then, you know, it's it, the Yetzirah was just messing with you right? And, and, and that's really what's going to happen 99% of the time, because if you have tools and you know that there is a time and place to take care of my life and to reflect and make changes, then the Eitzah has no hold on you because he can still come to you in the middle of the day and he can still come to you while you're shopping and he can still come to you while you're eating your breakfast, but you have, you have what to say right? So this thought comes up, you know, it's not an appropriate time. How do you know it's not an appropriate time? Because it's not something that is presently happening right now. Okay. You know, it's an inappropriate time. So you say, oh, thank you very much. It's a her for the thought. I'll pick it up tonight. Right. I'll pick it up tonight. And then you move on. Okay. Now what happens if, um, you're actually in the moment of a sin and you actually like wake up to the fact that you're in the middle of a sin and you want to do an about face, that's excellent. That's changing your behavior in the moment. That doesn't come with guilt. That comes with actively, I'm in the moment, I made a bad choice, but I'm still in it and I can still, I can still change it. I can still, you know, turn it around, right? That doesn't come with guilt. That's an in the moment action that you're able to change. You know, it's guilt when it's something from the past. Okay. When it's something from the past, that's already done. Then you know that that's just guilt trying to get you into the guilt cycle. Okay. So we know now we know when we should have this time, right? So we know that the response to the Itzahara is, okay, thank you very much. Now I'm moving on because I have a time to think about my actions. Thank you, but no, thank you. Like I'm not doing this right now in the grocery store. I have a special time for that, okay? So we know when we need to do it. The question is um, how we do it is also very important. Okay. So, um, we're not just going to, um, we're not, <laughs> you can think that we're just like pushing off the guilt cycle, right? That's not what we're doing. We're not saying, okay, don't, I can get it. I'm not going to do the guilt cycle. Now I'm going to do it tonight when it's, when I'm saying Shema, that wouldn't be productive because guilt cycles are never productive. So obviously we're going to be doing, we're not going to come and say Shema and all of a sudden feel so bad about ourselves, about all the wrong things that we did, because that will just get us into the guilt cycle. It doesn't matter when the guilt cycle happens. It's never good. So obviously we're doing something different when we're taking stock. What is it that we're doing? Okay. Um, so when you have your inventory session, right? It's a good name for it. We're taking our inventory session. This is what the Tanya says you need to think about. And this is 
just so important and so mind-blowing. You're meditating on the greatness of God against whom you've sinned. Okay? You're not meditating on the greatness of your sin. Okay, we see the difference? You're not meditating on how bad your sin was. You're meditating on the fact that you sinned against an amazing God. And when you reframe it this way, it doesn't really matter what the sin was. It just matters that it was a separation. It was a betrayal of God. What it was is not so significant for this process because whatever it was, it separated you from God. It was a betrayal. Okay. So we're not, we're not telling God how big our sins are. We're telling our sins how big God is. So it's also a little bit of a reframe here. So what are we, are we focused on how bad our sin was and how, what our sin was and how bad we are? No, we're focused on the fact that God is so great and we betrayed him. We betrayed him. We made a mistake. We fell off the wagon, but I recognize it and I'm, I'm back on, right? I'm back on the wagon and, and God is great. So we don't necessarily want to sin against when we think about how great God is, it helps us not want to sin against him. Right. And when we sin against him, it's not perpetuating a guilt cycle. It's reminding ourselves of why we're here in this world, right? We're here in this world to connect to Hashem. And when we do something that disconnects us, we lose our way for a moment or for however long that sin lasts, but we come back, right? And um, it's, it's all about our connection. So what happens is the guilt cycle takes us further and further away from God because we keep on making negative choices that further separates us. But when we focus on, it doesn't matter what I actually did. It doesn't, we don't have to dwell on what it was and how bad it was. It just matters that I disconnected and I betrayed my maker. I betrayed the God that created me, right? And I'm going to do better. I'm not going to. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do that again because I, I wouldn't want to disconnect. Um, yes. So you're so you're focusing when you're doing the Shema and you're focusing on this guilt, well then you're taking away the focus of the Shema. You're not focusing on the How guilt, you right? You're not focusing on the guilt, you're meditating on the greatness of God. Greatness of God. And that's kind of like Shema, instead of the because of the guilt. Yeah. Okay, so let me clarify. It's not necessarily while you're saying Shema, it's during this time of bed when you're going to say Shema, which is going to remind you how great God is. And after you finish the Shema, then you take stock. Okay. So it doesn't have to be like simultaneously you're saying Shema and you're thinking about your sins, right? Okay. You're saying Shema, you remember your Shema is all about how great God is, right? So it's your, it's the time kind of auspicious time that we're talking about here. And how do you take the stock? I mean, like, do you just sit? Okay, so I'm going to tell you. How do we take oh. the stock? Um, we face it, okay? What is it that we know? We, okay, what is it that we're upset about? We trace it, right? Tracing it, what are we tracing it to? It's a betrayal, okay? 
it, it always leads to betraying Hashem. And we erase it and we give it to Hashem and we say, okay, I am sorry that I did this. I am, I really will try not to do it again. And we move on. We move on. Now, it's very interesting because when we think about all the ways that we've, all the things that we've done um, to, you know, all the things and all the specific horrible things that we've done is a very spiritually damaging experience. You can think that you, oh my gosh, uh, when you, it's like false humility, right? You know, people who have false humility where they walk around. I'm so humble. I'm so humble. I'm so humble. It's not real. Right. So it's the same thing in this area. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I, I, I sin, I sin, I sin, I sin. What that is, is wallowing. It's self-indulgent and it's reveling in your negativity because instead of actually doing something about it and being productive about it, you're stuck in it. You're wallowing and you're just like, I'm indulging myself in this negative I'm indulging myself in this negative spin cycle. And when I indulge myself in this negative spin cycle, I don't have to do anything different. I can't do anything different because I'm bad. I can't change because I'm bad. It's all about you then. It's all about you. And where's God in the picture? It's nothing to do with God. Right? So this is why this, this, this guilt that gets us into this wallowing, self-indulgent negativity is so dangerous. It's so spiritually dangerous and it's actually probably physically dangerous too. But right now we're focusing on the spiritual side. Okay. So um, when you counteract that with a positive meditation, right? The whole spin on how you're even looking at your sin is in a positive light. It's wow. God is so great. And I'm so lucky to be in this world and be a child of God. I slipped up. Okay. But I want to get back there right? It's a whole different way of looking at it because your focus, what's your focus? Your focus is, on, is God, right? Your focus is God, not you. Okay. And that changes the whole picture. Okay. So, um, now after you, um, okay. So we know when to do it and we know how to do it now, right? Now, the Tanya is going to end off by telling us how we should feel at the end of this. And if you feel this way, then you're doing it right. Okay. So um, the moment you finish your spiritual um, inventory, your inventory session, you should have an immense feeling of joy. It should, this stock taking, if you do it every night or once a week, you, it always should end off with feeling joy and you're, you're grateful that you can become one with Hashem again. And you're grateful that this burden doesn't have to weigh you down. And it brings you immense joy because you are, you are recognizing the greatness of Hashem and how amazing it is, is that you, that you get to um, be a part of it that you're here in this world. And like, just like Barbara just said, you cannot be joyful if you're wallowing, right? No joy comes out of wallowing, right? So um, the only thing that should come out of your stock taking is joy. If you come 
at the end of your stocking, you feel depressed. That means you need to start again. You didn't do it right. That means you were focused on something negative or about yourself, right? If your stock taking ends with joy, then you know you did it right. Okay? It's like A plus B equals C. So um, because why are you feeling joy? Besides for what I said before, is also because you're 100% confident that Hashem forgives you. You, 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 um, you faced it, you traced it, and now you know that Hashem is 100% going to forgive you. So of course you feel immediate joy because you know you're forgiven and that's a huge weight off your shoulders. So there's only one, there's only one way to feel after that and that's joy, okay? Um, so how long should it take to take stock? You know, I think it's a very individual process. I think it's going to be different if you're doing it once a day or once a week, right? Um, there, you know, for some people, they really take it very, very seriously and it could take an hour, right? For some people, it's more 10 minutes, right? The point is, is that it's all about staying present. It's all about being honest with who you are and what you're doing and where your goals are, right? So it doesn't have to be such a long process. It doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours of, of, of stock taking, right? And remember, it, 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 needs, it, it needs to be a, a joyous thing, not necessarily, not a, a depressive thing. So you say Shema, you take 10, 15 minutes or even shorter if it takes shorter, you reflect on your day, how, how, how grounding is it in general just to reflect, right? At the end of a day, just to take a time to reflect on what you did that day. Um, you're a little bit more objective because you're not in it and you can be like, huh, hmm, could have done that better. I rocked that. It's also okay, by the way, to talk about the things that you did right right? Like we're not ignoring those things. I did that really well. I want to do that again tomorrow. I'm going to try to do that a little differently. Um, God is so great. Sorry, God, for betraying you a couple times today. I know you're hundred percent going to forgive me and I'm going to bed joyously because I'm good. And then you wake up every morning with a clean slate and you start again, right? So it's a very powerful tool. And, um, it's just, I feel like I say I'm like a broken tape recorder, but like, I mean, how cool is it that Tanya is like something that is written by a patriarchal rabbi, right? That is giving us so many healthy emotional tools to be healthy emotional humans, right? So we can be healthy emotional humans that can attach to God, right? Because we learn we cannot attach to God if we're wallowing, if we're not you know, if we're stuck in a guilt cycle and the best way to attach to God and things are always done better with joy. So how do we, we're always trying to get back to that state of joy because when we are joyful, we can, I mean, we can conquer the world, right? And we can connect to God and we can do all the things that we need to do when we're stuck in any kind of spin cycle, whether it's resentment or guilt, any of those things are never going to lead to anything positive. So to summarize um, chapter 26, because we'll talk, we'll do from the beginning. We'll, we'll bring these two parts together. Yes. And yes, it's, it's meta. It's always comes back to meditating on God. 
It's always going to come back to that. Um, okay, so to summarize the whole chapter 26 that took us two classes and a few weeks um, is this. We have two types of problems that can get in your way, right? We have the physical worldly problems, right? That we deal with by reframing our perspective on what challenges actually are, right? And um, we have our spiritual problem, which is guilt. And how do we deal with that? We set an appointment to take care of it and then we move on. Right. So when you have a random negative thought that you know is going to set you into a spin spin cycle, you know it's your Yetahara and you tell it, make an appointment, right? Come back later at Shema. You can come back and tell me what I what I did wrong. And then I will take care of it. Right. So it's about self-talk. It's so funny because just the other just the other day, it was actually yesterday. It's a personal story to like not exactly related, but it helped me. It's a it's a self-talk thing. Just my daughter went, um, it was her bat mitzvah uh, yeah, uh, Monday. And my sister lives in Kalispell, which is another city in Montana, five hours away. So at, literally as she's leaving, we're like, she's like, oh my gosh, can I like, can I go with you? Right. Like I want to, you know, and drive. And we're like, oh my gosh, well, you can go with her, but how do you get back? Cause she's 12 and my sister has three little kids and she's a great mother's helper. And it would be super fun. We're like, okay, how do you get back quickly? We figured out all these arrangements. And so she goes to Kalispell, um, yesterday and she's with going to be with my sister for a week. And it's a, just a really awesome opportunity. She calls me last night and she goes, I'm feeling anxious and I don't know why. Right. So I said, well, you always can trace it back, right? Think about what were you thinking about when you started to feel anxious? And so she said, I'm thinking about, oh, the long, the drive was so long. And what, what am I going to do on the way back? And she started to like spiral about the drive. And I said, I said to Chai, I said, okay, like, let's do some self-talk. Like the drive was long, but you're there and you're okay. Right? Like you're fine. It was hard, but you did it. So you need to talk to your anxiety and tell it like, I'm okay. Like I did this hard thing and I'm okay. So it's, so it's a long drive. So it's boring. So it feels like forever, but it's really not. And you do it. So when you're feeling anxious about the long drive that you just did, and you're fine, you have to do some self-talk to tell yourself that you're okay. Like you can do this. It could be hard, but you can do this. So, so much of our service and so much of our life is about self-talk and talking ourselves through the situations and debunking so many of the things that the Yetzirah wants us to fall into, right? The Yetzirah wants you to think that you can't do it, that you are going to be stuck, that you, you aren't strong enough, right? But then you tell you, I could do this. I, already, I just did it, right? And I'm okay. And I'm not going to get into the guilt cycle and I'm not going to fall into this trap of me feeling bad about myself, which is going to, which is going to make me want me to self-medicate and indulge in something physical, which is going to be way worse than my original sin, right? We're not falling into that trap because we know from the Tanya how it starts. Okay. So that is the end of chapter 26. Any questions before we do a quick meditation? Okay. Um, recording is usually will be on late tonight or tomorrow, but, and sometimes even in a few hours, just check. It's going to be up at some very, you know, at some point between today and tomorrow. Okay. So 
Let's get ourselves comfortable for a couple minutes. Take a deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Mazel tov. Thank you. Close your eyes. And focus on your breath for a couple seconds. Is your breath shallow? Don't try to fight it. Is your breath deep? Lean into it. While you're deep breathing deeply, every breath you take, just try to settle deeper into your senses and in your body. Try to visualize any tension you might be holding, just melting away. Okay. So now that we're just a little bit of a more relaxed state, I want you to think about a few points that you can go home with. Number one, guilt equals bad. There is never a time where guilt is going to be useful for you. You can apply this to your spiritual life, to your physical life, to your emotional life, apply it across the board. Guilt is not productive. As we apply it to our spiritual journey, which is what this half of the chapter was about, if you have a random guilty thought, you know it's inappropriate. You know it's coming from the Yetzirah. There is nothing positive that's going to come out of it. The Yetzirah is trying to trap you into your guilt cycle. We have tools, right? What's our tool? We have a set time to take stock, to take inventory. And how we do it is by focusing on the greatness of God, not how bad you are, right? Not, it's not about your sin. It's about, it's about the God whom you've sinned against. When you focus it on in that perspective, if you do it right, your emotion is joy that comes after it. Okay. That's very quickly in a nutshell, a few points that you can just think about during your week. I'll give you a few seconds just to see where your brain takes you with these thoughts and your emotions. How do you feel when you think, when you think about, when you think about it that way, when you think about taking stock is God centered, not me centered. How does it make you feel? We're going to slowly bring our attention back to our breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, regulate yourself as much as you can. Start to like pay attention to some sounds, smells, feelings around you. 
And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes and take a deep breath. Okay, I'm gonna stop the recording. Thank you so much for being here.